everybody, welcome back to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire, John Anon. I retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. I'm Casualty CDG and I'm happy to be here today because it's my first day out of a prison in which I have been buried in for 150 years. That is that like a reference to something, or is that just yeah his long imprisonment? Is your new gimmick? <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean by new gimmick, but I've been buried in an ancient tomb. Finally, worked my way through the dungeon and climbed for over an over a week. I climbed straight up a, a, a vertical shaft of nothing but solid darkness, infested with monsters. Mm. And now, now I'm here doing the one thing I was meant to do, the one thing I was destined to do, record this podcast. Yeah, Welcome to the podcast for the first time ever, former prisoner Gary Thank Avenue. You. Thank you. It's good to be here. I like this bit a lot. Um, I'm the professional media movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And welcome to episode 29, uh, Fresh Out the Podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Happy to be here. Thanks for welcoming me uh, to the mm-hmm. to the episode. I am excited. Y'all probably aren't as excited. You know, I'm probably excited. less. But you know, Drew, as as long as you're happy and you're giving, see, you add a prestige to the show, uh, a credibility, if you will. You know, y'all yeah. have been kind enough week to Without week to let you. Me. We're just two assholes talking. We're just about two Marvel. assholes talking about nothing. Uh, when just it comes yeah. only Marvel. Yeah, we were just, just two yeah. assholes talking about Marvel and Disney. They call well, us the marvelous assholes. And most of the people that like Marvel and like all the mainstream movies are like, you know, screw all those Oscar bait movies mm. and yeah, yeah, that's all crap. And that's the stuff I'm like, gimme, 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 gimme. Um, and I'm I'm so thankful for both of you. You know, you each let me do. My little Oscar minute that I do typically from week to week. Um, I skipped it last week because I knew that this week y'all were basically handing me the reins to the main event to uh, to really talk award season um, and where we're at with everything. Because guys, it's heating up. This is this is exciting times. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? I do. I do. I feel it right here. I'm actually looking at the the SAG nominations right now because I didn't I didn't know if I was going to care about this and I figured for the most part that I wouldn't but I am excited to see some of the uh the comedy series stuff in the middle and the television series stuff so so there is some stuff I know about on this list so I'm I'm more excited now I can kind of break it down for y'all because for for those who don't follow the awards race like I do you know it's interesting in in the past the first step of award season is typically uh, the Golden Globes. Is usually kind of the first big one. And I don't know if y'all know, you know, kind of the drama that's been going on with the Golden Globes, but I don't know if you noticed, the Golden Globes did not air this year. They did not air on TV. They were not televised. The, uh, the results were tweeted out. And the reasoning for this comes... Uh, and it's been kind of building for the past couple of years um, that the Golden Globe organization, uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, who puts on the Golden Globes, they um, they 
they've basically they're very uh, particular about their membership, mm-hmm. and they've come under fire because most I don't think there was hardly any diversity. Yeah, in their membership, it was a lot of um, older white voters. Mm-hmm. And they are just a, a small, exclusive group that love to rub elbows with all the celebrities and stars. And the Golden Globes have always been a part of the, you know, the award circuit. And it's in again, it's kind of like the big party, right? It's where the celebrities would be and they'd be drinking at their tables. And it was always kind of the party, whereas the uh, the Oscars are more the prestige show. Um, but after enough evidence and articles came out really breaking down how membership of the the Hollywood Foreign Press Association works and the lack of diversity um some celebrities including Tom Cruise basically said I'm giving back my golden globes like I don't I don't Ooh. want this award anymore and relinquished them and then NBC took a huge step and said until they do something about their organization and take take the proper steps we will not be airing the Golden Globes this Good year. for them. Excellent. And so, yeah. So the the HF, uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the HFPA, did, did eventually um, kind of create an outline for what they were doing to change things. But this was, you know, kind of months after the initial incidents and reports were coming out. So by this time, it was almost a little too late. Um, for what they were planning to do and how they're planning to change. Um, so it was kind of a big question mark for what they were going to do this year. And finally it was announced they weren't going to live stream it. They weren't going to do any of that. They just, they literally came out with the nominations and then they tweeted the awards, the winners. Um, Interesting. So the golden globes kind of came and went uh, with about as much impact as a wet fart. You know, nobody <laughs> really cared at all. There's been no impact. Um, so instead, there's been a lot of focus on the different Critics' Choice Awards. Um, a lot of the different cities, you know, like the New York Critics Circle and the L.A. Critics, and they, they do all their own awards typically. Um, so this year is interesting because the SAG Awards are kind of the first big step in the awards race, which they always are, but they just don't usually get the same level of attention as like the Golden Globes did. Um, and the SAG Awards are the Screen Actors Guild Awards. So this is, you know, voted on by the actors. This mm. is, you know, the, the acting body. Um, there's producers guilds and there's directors guilds and they do their own awards, but the SAG Awards usually give you a pretty good indication for who will be nominated at the Oscars, like the Golden Globes usually get a first taste and it gives momentum and then the SAGs and then the Oscars. Um, I think in the past, you know, typically like the best actor race, a lot of times four out of five of the ones nominated for the SAG award for best actor get nominated for the Oscar. Yeah, well. makes sense. That's, it's very typical. Now, when it comes to the Academy, there's so many more people that vote for the Oscars than vote for the SAGs. The actors are a much smaller percentage of the overall Academy. So the winner of the SAG award does not always determine who will win the Oscar. Gotcha. But a lot of times it does line up because as we know, the awards race is all about political, you know, politics and campaigning and, and, you know, just like anything else, it's not necessarily about who 
had the best performance or what the best movie was. I mean, be real. We, we've known that's the case for a long time. It's, it's so more weird, about man. the campaign. I know. I know. It's, it's very odd. It makes me uh, uncomfortable, Drew. So the SAG Awards <laughs> do encompass movies and television. Uh, so I was going to run through a few things here. Um, I'll talk about just real quick. They, you know, they do their, they don't have a best picture at the SAGs, like at the Oscars, they do a best ensemble. That's their best picture equivalent. Um, so for, for the TV shows, you know, for their ensemble comedy series, it's, uh, Ted Lasso is nominated, which is no surprise there considering how it's basically swept, um, Emmys and it did it did well at the Golden Globes. <laughs> Not that anybody really cared there. Um, Only Murders in the Building is is nominated, which Gary has talked about at length on the show. Uh, the I don't think <clears throat> that there's any chance that Only Murders beats out Ted Lasso, but I did like it. I need are to, you glad need that it's there? It. Like, is it worthy of the nomination? I mean, yeah, it was probably one of the better things I watched last year. I need, I need to watch it. I watched the first few, and then I just fell out. It, it's it's not... I mean, that I feel bad about this, because, like, I liked it, and I enjoyed it, but it's like French fries or a bag of chips, man. It's like, once you start the show, you kind of can't stop. You're just kind of snacking on it, but it's not... Like, it's there's probably a lot of empty calories in that show, to be honest. Gotcha. We've also got The Kaminsky Method, which is a Netflix show that has been kind of a staple in the awards races, but it's a show that I never really got into um, with Michael Douglas. Um, Hacks, which my wife really liked. I didn't watch it, but it's on HBO Max. And The Great, which is on Hulu. And then for... Uh, what is what is Hacks? I honestly couldn't tell you what it's about. I know that it stars Jean Smart and that she's won a bunch of awards for it and that apparently it's pretty funny. I haven't I watched like, it. I like comedies. Well, I also don't know what The Great is, but it sounds familiar. The Great is... I've actually watched the first episode of The Great, and it actually is, is good, but I never watched beyond that. It has... um, Oh, gosh. What's the younger of the two blonde sister actors? Um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. No. Uh, Fanning. <laughs> Elle Fanning. Okay. There oh, it is. Right, Not right. Dakota Fanning, the younger one. Elle Fanning. Uh, the great, gosh that was once again good podcasting here guys doing we're doing good um, we here fresh Fanning out the stars. podcast always do our research before we start streaming the, the great is one of those kind of period set shows but has a lot of kind of raw humor or like edgy humor but set in like a british period tone was, if that makes sense i always thought there should be more shows about periods uh, hacks. I looked, I, looked hacks. <laughs> I looked up hacks uh explores a dark mentorship that forms between deborah vance a legendary las vegas community and an entitled outcast of 25 years old y'all uh, y'all caught me off guard because i was planning to just run through some of these shows and i wasn't expecting y'all to push back on what actually is it so i just I was yeah, not I ready like, for it. I like comedies and these could potentially be award-winning i'm actually comedy. surprised at how many of these things i've seen uh like in uh, ensemble drama series, uh, The Handmaid's Tale and Squid Games, I liked both a lot. Uh, and then my dad watches the shit out of Yellowstone. So, 
and and Succession is super popular on HBO as well, um, which is probably a front runner there. And then The Morning Show, which is the Apple TV Plus show that stars uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Interesting. So yeah, so those are some of the shows. I'm not going to go through all the cate- the acting categories, but it you know, t- of course, it's a lot of the people from those shows that are nominated for Best Ensemble that are nominated for the Individual Acting Awards. Now, talking about the um, the the big category acting awards, um, I think the biggest thing here, talking about outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, there's uh, some surprises here. Um, Belfast is nominated. That's not a surprise. That's the Kenneth Branagh-directed movie about Belfast, uh, mm. about Ireland. And uh, Coda, which I went on record as being my favorite movie of last year when we did our top fives. I loved Coda, so I'm so happy to see it here. Um, Don't Look Up, the Netflix satire film by Adam McKay, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and and Jennifer Lawrence, which I believe you both have watched. So we'll probably talk about it here uh, in detail in a little bit. Yeah. Um, King Richard, which is the the Will Smith movie. led biopic about the father of uh, Venus and Serena Williams that I, I did rave about it a few weeks ago. I really liked this film and then house of Gucci, the Ridley Scott movie about the Gucci's starring lady Gaga and Adam driver, which I thought was fine. Um, I'm <laughs> surprised to see it here in the, in the best ensemble or the outstanding cast uh, award, mainly because the Power of the Dog, which was also on my top five, that's had a lot more steam in the award race, um, did not get recognized here, which is shocking because Benedict Cumberbatch is nominated for Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor. Cody Smith McPhee is nominated for Supporting and Kirsten Dunst for Supporting Female Actor. Mm-hmm. So you, they're getting all these acting awards, but then yet not recognized in their um outstanding performance by a cast so uh, i would have personally put that in over house of gucci for sure but um you know there it wouldn't be an awards race without there being some surprises you're you're right uh drew and looking back at that with uh with a my magnifying glass the second time no one from house of gucci uh, none of the females in a supporting role there's there's nobody and then there's no outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. There's nobody in that category. So there's literally two categories they didn't place in where Power of the Dog did um, yeah, right. in those categories. And that instead, is weird. It, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's pretty oh, suspect. Well, and then going to the, the outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role. So a lot of these um, I've talked about, you know, Jessica Chastain's nominated for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Nicole Kidman's nominated for Being the Ricardos. Now, those two going into it were kind of locks. Like, I would have been shocked. Um, But one person that I would have considered to be an absolute lock for this category did not make it in. Um, And that's Kristen Stewart. For uh, for Spencer, where she plays Princess Diana, who has been an award season favorite so far. It seemed like she's been a lock all season and she did not get recognized here, which is really interesting. Um, Jennifer Hudson got uh, nominated for her role playing uh, Aretha Franklin in the Respect movie, which 
really didn't get good reviews from crit- her performance got reviewed well that movie didn't get reviewed well it had kind of been forgotten in the awards race and so the fact that she made it in here over Kristen stewart is surprising lady gaga is a little less surprising um because she's been she's kind of had a little bit of steam in the race but you know talking about that movie and gary mentioning where people weren't nominated to me, Adam Driver had the best performance in House of Gucci, and yet he's not nominated here. But Jared Leto is nominated for supporting actor. Jared and, and Leto. Oh, yeah. Ew. Male actor in a leading role? This is less surprising. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, Denzel Washington. I mean... Javier Bardem. Those are all household names. Javier Bardem is probably, if you had to pick one to be the surprising one of the bunch, I'm surprised that he made it in here again. I, belong. I've already been on record as not really liking being the Ricardos very much. Yeah, you um, So, you know, but it's, but I, I guess I'm not on overly this surprised this here. What was that? Yeah, who would you replace him with? Yeah, what what outstanding performance by a male actor would you have slid in for for this slot? It's a good question. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who I could tell you first off who I thought would be there, um, which is Peter Dinklage for Cyrano, which is which is coming out soon. Um, a musical. He had gotten a lot of steam. It seemed like he was going to be there. He didn't. I would have put. You know, I would have put Leonardo DiCaprio in, even. I, I liked Leo in Don't Look Up more than I liked Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos. And that's coming from somebody who, like, I was pretty lukewarm on Don't Look Up in general. So that's yeah, saying something. Um, I liked it. Or, or, like, I mean, heck, I would have loved if Nicolas Cage could have slid in here in the fifth spot. Like, for Pig. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I mean, I'd rather his see... outstanding I, performance, yeah. What about somebody, anybody from uh, Belfast or Coda? So, Belfast, so, yeah. Belfast, the surprises there come more in the supporting role category. Um, I'm just looking at the big pictures, wondering, looking like, you know, where where are these people? These people went on the list. I'm just curious. Yeah, so, if you look at supporting role, um, Cody Smith-McPhee for Power of the Dog, probably a lock. For, for being nominated for an Oscar as well. Um, Troy Coetzer from CODA. He plays the father in CODA, and he's wonderful in it. He seems to probably be a lock because he's gotten some steam. The surprises here come with the, the combination of the other three. So Jared Leto for House of Gucci, Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza, Ben Affleck for The Tinder Bar. Um, Bradley Cooper has maybe five minutes of screen time in Licorice Pizza. He is good in it, and... and and interesting. Um, I don't know if I would nominate it here. Uh, you almost can't even call that a supporting role so much as a cameo. Yeah. And, and it really kind of is a glorified cameo in the movie. I mean, he's featured in the trailers and, and such, but he doesn't even show up until maybe an hour and a half into the movie. And yeah, and it's a short, short role uh, or sm- small part. Um, Kieran Hines, who plays the grandfather in Belfast had seemed to be an early favorite for the Oscar and then was not even nominated here at the SAG. So that was surprising. Um, as well as Jamie Dornan, who's also in Belfast, who I would have thought at least one of the two would get nominated and yet neither one's here. So that's, that's pretty shocking. 
the Tinder Bar, Ben Affleck being nominated there for me is actually a pleasant surprise. I, I watched this recently, so I'll talk about it more um, in the what we've watched stuff. But um, I'm a big Ben Affleck fan, to be honest, like uh, something about him I find to be just super intriguing. I think his movie star persona outside of movies and then also his roles his roles as an actor, I I just find him to be very interesting. So I'm always intrigued by him. I'm very hit or miss with Ben Affleck. That's fair. Ben Affleck. Totally I've fair. liked uh, I've liked Ben Affleck since Mall Rats when I was growing up. Yeah, that, that was some of his best <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> almost put me on another tangent, but oh, I'll get to it. <laughs> um, the only other acting category that we hadn't touched on here is is female actor in a supporting role, which the mother in Belfast played by, I'm probably going to say her, her name incorrectly. I think it's almost spelled Katrina. Um, although it has a different spelling, Katrina Balf. Uh, she, uh, is nominated here. She's wonderful in Belfast. Again, I went on record as not being like a huge fan of that movie overall, but I thought she was really great. It had some good performances. Kate Blanchett for nightmare alley. Sure. I mean, Kate Blanchett's always good. And she was fine in that. Ariana DeBose <laughs> for West Side Story. She's wonderful and lovely in this in West Side Story. So I'm happy to see her. She plays Anita, um, which uh, famously Rita Moreno, who played Anita in the old film of West Side Story, won the Oscar uh, for that role. So uh, Ariana DeBose has big, big shoes to fill there. But she is getting nominated here. It seems like she'll probably get some Oscar love as far as at least a nomination goes. But that's definitely a award, a, a role that has gained acclaim in the past. Um, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog. She's great. And Ruth Mega for Passing, uh, which I was happy to see her nominated here. If y'all remember, I did talk about Passing a few weeks ago. I kind of thought it was going to get overlooked in the awards race and wasn't going to really be a factor. Um, but she is nominated here, so I was happy to see that. This list of female supporting actors seems a lot better than the list of male supporting actors. I would agree that supporting is a stronger overall supporting female is a a much stronger category this year, much more, a much more competitive category. That's it. That's what I'm trying to say. It's there's a lot of great performances on there and a lot of great movies on there. And those, those are some really good names. Uh, So that's, you know, supporting males, not so much. Whenever Mobius is on your list for supporting male actors, uh, you might want to take a second look. Yeah, you know, I'm not the biggest Jared Leto fan, but man, the awards voting groups seem to always like him. He snuck into the SAGs last year, too, for that movie. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of what it's called, but he, he was like a suspect as being a serial killer. The Little Things. It was a Denzel Washington movie. I actually liked that movie. I thought it was fine. And Jared Leto was was decent in it. I didn't think he was awards worthy, but yet he got like Golden Globe and SAG yeah. nominations for it. You know, I was and so they just seemed to like Jared Leto. That was that was one of my uh, more favorite of his roles. I don't like him. I hate the guy. Uh, I actually could stand him in that. I thought that that was a good role for him because he was a piece of shit. And, you know, <laughs> he is very I'm not going to say that he's good in House of Gucci, but boy, is he going for it as he <laughs> tends to do i so i'm actually house of gucci's on my list i'm going to watch it 
I'll report back. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, the only two times I've liked Jared Leto were in that movie you were just talking about with the serial killer and then uh, Blade Runner. I liked him in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, that's, you know, that's kind of the overall where we're at. Uh, you know, the big thing here for a lot of the folks like me that are big Oscar fans or big fans of the award race is that this year, I think that there's some good movies that are being recognized here, um, but very little mainstream films. And which has always been kind of a trend in the Oscars. You know, they like to award a lot of biopics and smaller films, sometimes indie films. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the viewership on the Oscars is dropping year to year. And it used to be this Super Bowl level event that, you know, it was on and everybody watched it. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, And they've tried to figure out things and be, you know, figure out who a good host would be or whatever. Last year they had no host and that didn't really seem to work. (laughs) Um, This year they've said they're going to have a host, but they haven't announced who it is. Um, There, I, I listened to emergency podcasts from other groups about like, what can they do to save the Oscars this year? And they're literally at this point saying like, just nominate Spider-Man no way home for best picture. Like just put it in there. Cause it's the most popular movie of the year. Like put something like that in there that, you know, this happened years and years ago. I say years and years, uh, like back in 2008, 2009, you know, that used to always be there are five best picture nominees yeah. at the Oscars after the Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture. Mm. That was considered a huge misstep for the Academy not to recognize it. Of course, we know Heath Ledger won the Oscar for supporting role, but the Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture. Which is so crazy. The next, so they changed their rules the next year and they expanded the Best Picture nominee set to be 10 nominees for Best Picture. This has allowed a lot of other more mainstream movies to get nominated for Best Picture. Like yeah. Toy Story 3 was nominated right after they expanded it. I think Up got nominated for Best Picture. So, you know, animated films have made it a few more um, more widely watched movies. Then they changed the rule again, and they said it can be up to 10 nominees, depending on the percent of nomination votes a film gets so it it was inconsistent you know one year there might be seven or eight nominees for best picture one year there might be nine or ten it was inconsistent this year they're back to ten they're just doing ten nominees of mainstream movies that that could be nominated or will be nominated it's looking like dune will probably get a best picture nomination which is seems to be the most mainstream um of the movies that could be in the pool, but you know, Dune didn't make Spider-Man money. No, you know, it's, it's been considered successful, but, um, I, I, I've got a, a point to that as well. Um, I, I, and I don't think any of us would ever say that Spider-Man deserves to win best film of 2021. I think we can at least all agree. Probably on not. That. I, I, even, but, even I wouldn't say that, but I can, I, I might, would make an argument that Andrew Garfield should 
be on the list of best supporting male <laughs> actors. I, I uh, would agree with that. He was very, he very good. He also wouldn't win, but he had a he had a great performance in that. He was he was good. He, I mean, was, he is on here for uh, Tick Tick Boom for leading. Uh, he he's had a really great year um, as an actor too. I mean, Tick Tick Boom, uh, Andrew Garfield. He's one of those guys who, outside of you know, the Social Network and Spider Man and playing Spider Man, a lot of times the movies he's in, like I the movies are okay, but he's very good in them. I felt that way about Tick Tick Boom. I felt that way about The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which he's the he's you know more supporting role in that. Uh, but he's great. He's so good. I think he's such a good and interesting actor. Again, I, you know, I'm on the record saying that I thought he was a highlight for me for for No Way Home. I thought he um, really kind of stole the show. He's really good. Huh? Uh, I'm with yeah. you. Like, give all the love to Andrew Garfield where we can. Yep. I mean, I don't think it would hurt their viewing rate to put him on the list of best supporting actor. I mean, there's no one on that Academy board is going to put that movie on the best movie block. And I think that's totally fair. But everyone, you're right. Everyone saw that movie and there's a reason everyone liked it. There's a reason that it made a, a bazillion dollars. So they should be on here for, well, I'm sure they'll win or be nominated for something, right? Like best CGI or best yeah. score or some crap like that. Um, but as far as the screen actors go, I, I think that, you know, yeah, I, I, I like Andrew Garfield as a supporting actor in Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, the stunt ensemble action uh, performance stuff, uh, I've seen all of those because <laughs> uh, they play more to my palate. Um, and Shang-Chi's there, so they got nominated for a SAG award for something at least. Yeah, and SAG has done some progressive stuff. You know, they nominate uh, stunt ensembles and things like that, um, which a lot of people have been lobbying for yeah. years now to give, like, a, a best stunt award or award the stunt teams at the Oscars. I've which they always just been on team award the fucking stunt yeah. team. Layton, Layton's like, talked about that a few times. Good luck making a, a movie without a stuntman. Like, your actor is yeah. not going to do that, and without that, that's not a performance anyone's going to watch. If you watch a movie with all of the stunts taken out, uh, <laughs> it's just very, very boring. You know, they, they make viewers, uh, they pay attention. It, it's vital. Uh, they should almost get paid what the stars get paid. But what do I know? Yeah. Yep. So, um, I mean, that's that's really... All that I have to say about the awards race now, there's just a lot of fans of the awards race in general that are scared that the Oscars are are dying, essentially. <laughs> like, there's just not the same level of public interest, which, you know, I hear, I'm, I, I see that too. You know, I get into it and I have yeah. friends that make fun of me for how into it I, I get, which, I, I, you know, I'd laugh it off. It's fine. Um, so yeah, so that's, I mean, this has been fresh out the box office, fresh out the Oscar race for, for this week. Fresh out of Oscars. Um, we ain't got any. We should be getting the, the Oscar nomination voting will be happening soon. So the Oscars aren't until m late March. So we've got time. I would imagine that we won't see nominations until mid February or so. So we're getting ahead a little bit. Um, but yeah. So that's that's basically it. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
that was it. That was good. You that did a good, good job. You did. You did a very good job. You sound so official. This is something that I uh, I'm strangely passionate about. So I appreciate y'all letting me have the Ooh. you know the soapbox to speak about it. Speaking of strangely passionate, I want you to tell me about Kingsman. Uh, I I love the Kingsman series, and I wanted to see King's Men, but I, I haven't. And it kind of slipped out in between the cracks because it came out like right when Spider-Man did. Yeah. Are and we, that's not what you want to do. Are we going to switch to our fresh takes now? Yeah, this will be our, our fresh takes for the week. Fresh um, takes. You know, what we've been watching, what we've been, what we've been reading, what we've been playing, you know, whatever. Um and yeah, I'll talk about the King's Man. I did go see this um, in a super not packed theater. You know, I think there were like four other people in there with me. Uh, it came out the week of Christmas, but I got I just got around to it kind of late. And I'm with you, Gary. I liked especially the first Kingsman movie. I love I really like Taron Egerton mm-hmm. um, and and Colin Firth. And that movie just, I didn't know what to expect going into it. It surprised me overall. Um, I enjoyed it. The second one, probably less so. But I still like the overall silliness of the franchise. So I went into The King's Man ready for that. You know, this is a prequel. And boy, did I find it to be boring. Um, No! Yeah, I I was not a huge fan. There are some cool action sequences i mean the the director uh matthew vaughn i mean he knows how to shoot an action sequence and do some cool a lot of revolve shots and cool just like really cool shots like you've seen in the previous movies that they do show up here um there's some cool stuff but a lot of the in between it's almost like he wanted to make a world war one movie and then try to coat some kingsman stuff into it is really how it comes across. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like some cool action scenes, but the in between too too few and far between. Um, and it just kind of has this overall bland look to it of just a lot. Maybe it's because the old, the war setting, but a lot of brown and tan and everything like it's, it wasn't pretty to look at. I don't know. I just, I struggled sitting through it and, and I, I, didn't think the trailers looked particularly good, but I thought, you know, I bet it's going to be funny and it's going to be silly and it's yeah. going to have some crazy, you know, uh, surprising gore or something because they tend to put that stuff in there. And this, it just lacked all the things that I typically like to see in those Kingsman movies. Yeah, I love Kind it. of the whole thing with the Kingsman is that it's dialed up to, it, it, like, it, it always seems like it's just going to be a spy movie. And then all of a sudden, it's dialed up to Saints Row, uh, silly, stupid. Yeah, it does get there. Yeah, and and it's happened. It was in one, and again, it was in two. It was just, it was ridiculous, right? It's a diner where they feed people to pigs, and then the bad guy had like claw, or no, in that movie it was a electric whip. In the first one, it was claw hands. So they're they're great. Like yeah, it's John a real shame. Was there. Yeah. It's a real shame that they dropped the the proverbial ball on this one. Yeah, that was I was disappointed. That is a shame. Yeah, Kingsman. I I love the first one. Second one was pretty fucking silly, but uh, it was entertaining. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but I was hoping this one was going to be good. Really was. But hey. yeah, and you know, I, I, I we'll see. You know, I don't know if they'll make more. I, no. If they, I, if they do make more, they kind of. 
not to spoil anything, I won't get in the plot, but the Kingsman sets it up where they could basically almost create a sequel to to the prequel, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, like, like you got Star the Wars. main the main line, but then you've got the 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 series that takes place in the past. Like they could continue that, and I just don't care to see more of that after this. <laughs> I would much rather see another Kingsman movie with Taron Egerton and the more modern spy stuff. Um, yeah. So I'd be much more excited to see that. I'll put it that way. I think it lends itself to maybe in the future, you know, maybe 20, 30 years from now, we'll have like Kingsman set in the 80s uh, that are, you know, really funny, over the top 80s themed stuff uh, with the cars and the look and the blazers. Uh, but, you know, hopefully this isn't the the, the Kingsman going out uh, in a in a small burning fire that nobody watched. Hopefully this is just a misstep and they keep going. Well, and worth noting, um, the Kingsman franchise is un- was under the Fox banner. And so they, get, you know, one of the franchises that got acquired by Disney in that acqu- acquisition. So this was released by 20th century studios is what I'm they call it now. Probably it then. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It kind of seemed like they were just looking for when to dump this. It's one that got delayed a lot due to the pandemic. It finally came out around Christmas. It seemed like it's a little fanfare. I don't know how I haven't checked how much money it's making. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it does. Um, Now I can talk about some other movies. Uh, Uh, I'm all ears, man. Give me give me give me that movie talk. Well, you just talked a couple weeks ago. You had watched... uh, Moonrise Kingdom and we were ta- we did a little bit about Wes Anderson and I Ooh. finally got around to watching his newest film The French Dispatch. Is that um, is that watchable in places for people? So I own it. Um <laughs> I I bought it on Blu-ray. Um so I don't think it's streaming yet. Okay. But um I can always lend it to you and you but can the Blu-ray watch it. is out. It is. It is. And and it's fine. It's it's good. If if you like Wes Anderson style and visuals, there's plenty of that here. I'd say plot wise, it's probably lesser Wes Anderson, but a Wes Anderson, even a lesser Wes Anderson movie is still going to be more fun to watch than a lot of other movies. <laughs> if that makes sense. It is um about an a. A publication, I. <laughs> it's a I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it hmm. an American paper but it's their French version or publication of yeah. it and so it the the movie is basically a like an anthology it's a bunch of short stories within it's taking that that day's paper and showing you the stories within the paper um so you, so it cuts between a few or it goes from one story to the next so there's a huge cast in it. Um, a lot of actors that show up. Um, I don't I'm, I don't have the list here. A lot of, you know, the Wes Anderson staples. You get Bill Murray's in it and Edward Norton and and folks like that. But then you also have people like Nisa Del Toro and um, Saoirse Rodin and Timothy Chalamet and Annette. Um, 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 oh, gosh, who else is in it? I can't even think. I don't have the list in front of me. A lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people in it. So it's just it's one of those that's fun to watch just to see all the people that continuously pop up throughout. Owen Wilson, that, of that course. Like a, 
That sounds like fun. It just sounds like a fun, uh, you know, those anthology types of things can be a whole lot of fun. I also like Wes Anderson, and I'll, I'll give it a watch. Uh, the French Dispatch it all, is on my list. It almost sounds like Florida Man, except by Wes Anderson. <clears throat> yeah. So, it is, I would say overall, even though I say it's lesser Wes Anderson, I'd still rate it fresh, fresh out the box. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Good. I'm glad to hear that. But it, but it's not like a emphatic fresh out the box. But I'm like, yeah, it's fresh. It's fresh out it's the fresh. box. It's fresh. All right. It's still green. Uh, um, another movie that I watched <laughs> is called Red Rocket. And, and yeah. Is it about a dog's penis? No. no that's okay. That was my question. Yep. No. And this is another one I'd... I know I've been talking a lot, but this is a one that I feel like I have to give some background to as well. This is directed by a guy named Sean Baker, mm. and he is kind of known to do like very intimate <laughs> storytelling with a lot of non-actors. So he, what you're telling me is that it is about a dog's penis. No, is definitely not. <laughs> he does intimate storytelling with non-actors. <laughs> <laughs> By not actors, you mean dogs? I, yeah, okay. you mean, I you see mean dogs. how you made the leap. Mm-hmm. Now, um, he actually he's done a couple. Of, he did a movie called Tangerine, but he did he kind of rose to more fame a couple of years ago. He did a movie called The Florida Project, which won Willem Dafoe an Oscar. Um, Willem mm-hmm. Dafoe won Best Supporting Actor for appearing in The Florida Project, which was a movie about a Orlando hotel. Uh, basically, it. In Orlando, near Disney World, you know, Disney World has taken over Orlando, right? Disney like <laughs> pretty much owns Orlando, and they have all of their resorts, Disney-branded resorts. But there are a ton of small, crummy hotels along the interstate that lead into Disney World that have a lot of families and folks that live out of them, you know, a, a lot of... Um, you know, sketchy or interesting characters that reside at those. And in that movie, Willem Dafoe basically plays the man. He He's like the manager or caretaker of like one of those crummy hotels. And it just is, takes place there and shows the people there. Um, So it's, it's pretty interesting. This movie, Red Rocket, Red Rocket stars Simon Rex, who is most known for, he's in like a lot of the scary movies scary movie franchise he, he i believe familiar. he was an, he was an mtv dj or, or or vj at some point i think and he has like a comedy rap alter ego as well <laughs> um, so he's not like not the most mainstream guy these days but he is kind of incredible in this movie and it's about a ex porn star so he's an adult film actor who leaves la and returns home to texas city so a lot of it's filmed you know in the bay area near us um and it looks like they i haven't done my research but it looks like they filmed on location you know around here and uh it's just about this guy who's like practically a con artist you know he he takes advantage of people where he can uses people and uh yeah i don't want to say too much else about yeah. the plot but i mean it's there's it does there's some, 
It There's some graphic say, stuff in this. Oh no! It does I mean, say that it was filmed in Texas City, Galveston, and Port Arthur. So, so there you go. No. There you go. Um, I mean, there's a, uh, as uh, you know, fitting for a movie that's about an ex male, a uh, you know, mm-hmm. porn actor. There's plenty of peen in this movie <laughs> that you can see. So they're just straight up. I would expect um, nothing less from a movie called Red Rocket. Possibly the best use of InSync's Bye 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 that I've ever seen in anything. Uh, so that's worth noting. A very interesting note. That was a, a weird segue, Drew. I'm going to ask you a straightforward question. Does someone get their penis cut off and then bye bye bye, please? No. Okay. You can confirm right. that does not happen. All right. Um, that's no, all. This, it, it plays as a kind of a comedy, um, mostly a comedy. It's pretty. It's actually pretty hilarious, but also just like it just plays incredibly real. And again, he he uses a lot. When I say he uses a lot of non actors, like probably people that actually reside there that he put in the movie and gave them yeah. acting roles. So it makes them, even though they might not be the best actors, they're very authentic. I looked uh, them up. The none of them have like profile pictures. Yeah. <laughs> like, authentic, authentic people. Uh, yeah, they aren't actors, but you really only need the actor to be the main character yeah. or the supporting character. And you should really have authentic people around besides that. Uh, that's sort of what real life is like when you go out anyways. Not everybody is this deep, charismatic person who wants to open themselves yeah, up. It's to always kind of weird to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people are just kind of fucking weird and doing their own weird shit. And, and that's exactly fine. That, yeah, that's totally fine. It's one of those things where, you know, the best actor race at the awards this year is very competitive as well. And in a year that maybe that was a weaker category, there'd be a strong case for Simon Rex to get a push for a nomination. Here. That's, like he's oh, that wow. good in it. really funny. And this movie is technically a 2021 movie, but this is the first chance I've really had to see it. I saw it at Alamo draft house at a 10 35 PM showing, which that's like way past my bedtime, oh, but no, that's Drew. the only time it was showing. And boy, that's like, if you're going to see this movie, this is like a movie to watch at 10 30 at night. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just, um, <laughs> but honestly, if I had seen this last year, if I had seen this before we did our top five lists, like this probably would have been on my top five. For Interesting. Okay. Um, as of right now, it's only in select theaters, but I believe it'll be on demand to rent like February 8th or something like that. But and I remember, yeah. I remember this guy now. I remember him from Scary Movie. <laughs> he was doing he was, the uh, nine mile him. thing. Yeah. 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 Yep, that's him. Spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> I I yeah. recall. Yeah, that's funny that you would say that he could possibly have been a contender for best actor. Now he's come a long way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I would have never thought he could have been a contender for best actor back during Scary Movie three. But you know, it's one of those things. It's all about the role and no. him playing a adult film actor con man you know it worked for him he he did that i'll be really interested to see if this gets him some more work moving forward and he starts popping up in some other things because um he was good he was good and then um i'll do my i know i i did the huge award season talk already but i just wanted to add some of those movies that were mentioned in the awards that i have seen now that i i hadn't 
haven't yet talked about. Um, I watched The Lost Daughter, um, which is a Netflix movie starring Olivia Coleman, and this has been very popular amongst the critics, so I was kind of expecting to love it, and I liked it, but it, it didn't uh, impact me the way that I thought it might. It is about... It basically explores the what if somebody was a what if there was a woman who was a reluctant mother like you know there are so many women that love they have a child and they love their child and they love being a mom but what if you have a child and you don't like being a mom it kind of explores more of that side um so it can be kind of dark at times um but olivia coleman's a wonderful actress and she's fantastic in this even if I wasn't too high on the movie. Also worth noting, written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. So she's not in it. She's not in it. She just was behind the scenes, which I thought was was pretty interesting. Um, so that's The Lost Daughter. And then I also watched Licorice Pizza, which is the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie that stars Alana Haim. And Cooper Hoffman, who Cooper Hoffman is the son of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. Um, he has the lead role in this. This is the movie that uh, we I noted Bradley Cooper got that award nomination for when he's only in it for, you know, a few minutes. Um, but this takes place in L.A. in the 70s. And it's basically like a budding romance and friendship between a boy, a 15 year old boy and a girl in her her early 20s. And it's very interesting um, as all Paul Thomas Anderson movies are, um, it's kind of, it's one of those movies that has like a loosely connected plot. It's more like a series of events rather than a direct storyline. Yeah. Man, I can watch Paul Thomas Anderson movies all day. Um, if you don't know who Paul Thomas Anderson is, um, please enroll yourself in a film history class. Uh, oh. he is Ooh, known He told for... us to go to school. He did. He told us to get the hell out of his face and shut up. Paul Thomas Anderson did uh, Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood and The Master and most recently Phantom Thread. Um, so anyway, uh, and a lot of other stuff. And he's wonderful. So anyway, so let's Licorice Pizza overall. I definitely really liked it a lot. And then lastly, The Tender Bar, which is streaming on Amazon Prime Video. It is directed by George Clooney and it stars Ben Affleck in a supporting role. Um, it is basically a coming-of-age movie about a young boy and the, the boy in his older years is played by Ty Sheridan, who was the lead in Ready Player One. Ah, um, yeah. That's Ty Sheridan. Yeah. Um, and Ben Affleck basically plays his super dope, cool uncle that kind of acts as like a father figure to him who works as a bartender in their small town. And he's awesome. And I wish that he was my cool uncle after seeing this movie. He's been Affleck's very good in it. It's worth watching just for him. But that's also my review of the movie is like, just make this movie all the scenes with Ben Affleck. And it'd be like <laughs> a five out of five, but otherwise it's like a solid three out of five. Oh, damn. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, I might watch it. I, I'm a, I, uh, I like Ben Affleck. It's, it's a feel good, you know. I like coming of age movies in general. It's you know, uh, it's very hit or miss category for me. 
boy with the, you know, deadbeat dad, who's his dad's not part of the picture. His mom's struggling to make ends meet. They move back in with his grandparents. So her, so her, his mom's parents, um, his uncle lives with them as well. So there's, it's a lot of family, but he, the boy is very smart and has a, a good future ahead of him. Um, so it kind of, it dives into that. The grandfather is played by Christopher Lloyd. Um, you know, yeah. So he, so I love Christopher Lloyd and you don't see him as often now in new movies. So he was great to see here too. I'm always happy to see Doc Brown himself. Uncle Fester, you mean Uncle Fester. Mm, Either way, I guess, I guess I wouldn't mind either way. Why, (laughs) Why can't I think of his name in, uh, in who framed Roger Rabbit? He's oh, the yeah. villain. Yeah, he's the villain. Yeah, I can't think of his name. He's got a funny name. <laughs> I bet you uh, Jenny would know. That's like her favorite movie. Uh, but yeah, Christopher Lloyd, Judge Doom. That's it. Judge Doom. That's that a really a good, good name. That's a good name. Uh, so yeah, so that's it for Drew's Oscar minute. But there's some previous Drew's Oscar minute films. That you have now seen, or at least one in particular, and I would love to hear what y'all thought of Don't Look Up. The satire, it's on Netflix, directed by Adam McKay of Anchorman and Step Brothers fame. More recently, he did Vice and uh, The Big Short. What did y'all think of Don't Look Up? I'm genuinely curious to hear. Uh, You can go ahead, Gary. It was way too long. It was kind of funny, and Jonah Hill is my favorite part, as <laughs> usual. Man, Jonah Hill can just sure play a hateable little fucker. Uh, and he is just a hateable little asshole in this. He's very funny. All of the bits are funny, all the cameos are funny, but it just goes on and on and on. And you pretty much get it, like, 30 minutes into the movie. Like, yeah, I, I get it. And then it just keeps on doing it, and... Um, Okay. Uh, I, I I would not say that this is certified fresh out the box. Uh, so I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was, it was very much my kind of humor. Uh, I was laughing a lot the whole time. I don't know. I could understand. Uh, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're wrong. Like, I get it. Uh, I, I, I thought it was, it was very my humor. I laughed a lot. I laughed the whole time. I didn't feel like it was too long. It kind of went by quickly for me, I guess, because I was enjoying it more. Uh, I loved the some of the parodies with the president and Jonah Hill. and uh, That shit was really funny. And then the end, like the, the post... Did you guys watch the post credit scene? It had one. I don't know if I watched the post credit scene. It's really funny. Uh, I I was laughing pretty hard at that. Um, just I don't know. I liked it. It was. It felt topical. It felt like you know. I mean, we've watched it all happen all around us this whole time for the past few years, uh, and like I didn't feel. It didn't. It didn't get to me. It wasn't like too real for me. I felt like I was like you know good. I'm glad that you're making fun of this uh, because it's been affecting my life for way too long now. And it just, it, it, it felt a little cathartic for me, honestly. Uh, I think I needed this uh, in some way. Uh, but I liked it. I did like this movie. Yeah, I fell more in the camp with Gary, mm-hmm. I'd say, 
But I, but to to your point, Jahan, I, I'm the same. Like I could understand somebody watching this and thinking it's hilarious and think and and loving it. And I can and I can see, I guess, kind of why it's in the general conversation for awards. But I probably just enjoyed it a little less. There were parts I thought yeah. were funny. I was overall kind of entertained, especially for maybe the first third. Yeah. But then to like what Gary said, I just thought it went on too long. And by the end of it, I thought I was maybe saying being beat over the head with it is being a maybe, little bit too maybe hyperbolic. But like, but I was like, I get it. Um, yeah. I, so I was like you, like I was very entertained the whole time, but like the moments that were funny was me like ugly laughing and like bothering uh, Jenny and my mom with how loud I was laughing. <laughs> like I was, the moments that I thought were funny, I was cry Dude, this was the movie. This was the one. Uh, someone, I think it was Jonah Hill called uh, um, Jennifer Lawrence the boy with the dragon tattoo in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. I yeah. was crying. That was, that was so good. funny. And then the uh, the parts with the general making them pay for the food was pretty fucking... I don't know, man. There's a lot in this movie that I liked. I I would suggest people watch this movie. Jonah Hill was for sure a highlight. I think that Mark Rylance is a fantastic actor. And he was in this... He was the one that played kind of like the Steve Jobs-esque character. And I just found him so grating in it. Me Like, too. I get what he yeah. was doing. Yeah. And I know he was playing it up, like, to be that way on purpose. And I just found it unbearable. It was a little... I mean, it's, you know... Hey, it's funny that you say he was kind of a Steve Jobs. I imagined him as a Mark Zuckerberg, and I so definitely both. yes, maybe so that's actually like, a better comparison. Honestly, so he didn't make. I wasn't mad because Zuckerberg is such a cringy little piece of shit uh, that I want to hate him. So I thought this character was definitely you wanted to hate him for he, sure. He was upset. They, they did a great job of making you want to hate him, and he was just the stand-in for every billionaire, corporate, mm. privatized, fucking dickhead douchebag that we have. And, and the movie's super, super political. Don't look up. It's super political. So, uh, you know, you're, you're signing up for that when you watch it. It's a political comedy for sure. Which that's... It seems like that's Adam McKay's thing now. You know, his last movie was Vice, which was about dick cheney and it was the movie that got a bunch of attention because christian bale gained a bunch of weight for it and played <laughs> dick cheney you know i gain weight all the time where's my attention <laughs> um yeah I'm so it just seems it like right that's, now. that's where adam mckay is now is doing like these kind of political comedies highbrow comedies that are kind of prestige award movies but kind of not oh it's so it's so strange I want to talk language. about a show that's really strange and interesting. Um, and I think Jahan is going to like it, actually. I'm still not sure if I like it. The show is on HBO Max. It's called Raised by Wolves. And season two of Raised by Wolves is just about to come out. So I decided I'd go back and watch season one to see if this is one of those things where I'm going to watch all of season one and then all of season two to see if I'm going to like binge it like that. I've heard of this. Isn't it? I believe it's produced by Ridley Scott. Yeah, it is produced by Ridley Scott. That's yeah. exactly right. Uh, yeah, Ridley yeah, Scott. I've heard, I've of, heard of this. Uh, I've seen the previews. I'm actually super high. I've tried to get watching with this, but every time I do, uh, I'm with Jen, and she just it doesn't appeal to her, uh, and she's like, eh. 
It's so I, the, I'm going to watch it on my own at some point for sure. The uh, the premise is that, and this is it's a weird premise, like right out the gates. It's a uh, so in the in the far future, the atheists and the religious people have gone to war, and one of the things that they're warring about is the right to raise uh, children, the right for cyborgs to raise children. And the atheists send two cyborgs off on a small light craft to this uninhabited planet at the edge of the galaxy. And the religious people are traveling in these big arcs to uh, to different planets to inhabit them. So the cyborgs are way ahead. And the cyborgs have human children and mm-hmm. try to raise them. And uh, that's the premise of the show, is the cyborgs are raising these human children that they're not supposed to be raising and then an arc shows up yeah and the show is shot beautifully it reminds me of dune the way that it shot these huge set pieces these beautiful backgrounds uh the one of the main characters is uh a cyborg and she is terrifying her performance is passionate and intimidating all all at the same time and then the one of the other main characters is a child. Uh, he's the last human child here. Uh, you know, the last one to survive on this planet. And then the other male lead is Travis Fimmel, which is actually which is actually a guy that I know and probably Jahan knows and maybe even Drew. He was the lead in Vikings. Uh, he was <laughs> Ragnar Lothbrok, oh and he was also, of course, in the Warcraft movie. And in in this in uh, uh, raised by wolves in raised by wolves he's one of the humans that survives the arc, and he's here on this planet and realizes that she's a cyborg and is trying to save the kid from her. So it's a it's kind of a horror actiony sci-fi. Uh, I'm I'm not sure it's the most exciting show, but I think that the type of psychological uh, terror that's going on would really. Uh, feed Jahan's uh, tasty bucket full of psychological horror that he likes. I yeah, I have issues. Uh, but no, it's so it definitely it's been something that's been on my list forever. And now that season two is coming out, I'm probably going to give it a try. Sometimes I get like hesitant about starting a show when I'm not sure that it's going to have a season two. I think that uh, you're going to like Raised I by do Wolves. Too. I really do. I do too. Like I think maybe Kyle would like Raised by Wolves also. I'm not sure everybody was going to like it, but uh, it it sort of reminds me of Westworld also. Uh, okay. If if I if I had to put it somewhere in my brain, it would go right in between Westworld and Dune. Westworld super dope. So yeah, I would I I'll check this out. This another thing I'm going to watch. I've been actually running out of things to watch, so I'm kind of excited for uh, stuff Man, to be popping up. You cannot run out of stuff to watch with HBO right now. HBO uh, was recently by certain some some people have been putting it up at the top streaming uh, lately. Well, and you know what's interesting is that you know, I, I've actually been thinking about that a lot this week because I've been watching so much stuff on HBO yeah. between Peacemaker and Station Eleven and movies and um, that Harry Potter reunion, mm. like they they did the Friends reunion, they did the Harry Potter one. They're doing all kinds of stuff in addition to yes. their series, and of course we had the great year in 2021 with them putting all their theatrical releases on there, um, which they're not doing again this year. But they're kind of splitting it. They have movies that will be coming to HBO Max and movies in theaters. 
we already talked last week, Batgirl will be an HBO Max movie. You know, so it just seems like... It's very interesting. Even without having the theatrical releases on there this year, it's like they're still killing it with they're, the content they're that's coming it. out. Yeah. And they've been doing well for a long time. They HBO has adapted to the streaming race so well. Uh, and I love... I mean, they have all the DC stuff, all the animated stuff, and that content library alone is worth the subscription. And then they have all this other great stuff uh, that you guys are talking about. Uh, I, I really like HBO Max a lot right now. Uh, but yeah, let's see. I think that brings Where's us... on school. Yeah, I, I That's where we were at. Yeah. So um, let's see. What else, what else have y'all been watching? You want to take it, Gary? Um, I only have two more things I've been watching. Both of them were on Netflix. Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, so one I liked and one I didn't like. So first, let me talk about what I didn't like. Uh, I watched The House, and I, I don't know if you guys you guys look like you have no idea what the hell that is right now. Didn't this just come out? Yeah, the, the House it, just Oh, came this out. looks Is it cool. like a horror, horror movie kind yeah, of? Yeah, so it's, it's about... Uh, in the trailer, it's like the first 15 seconds of the trailer, so don't worry, I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, in the trailer, they uh, are approached by a strange man who wants to buy all of the property surrounding their house and build them a new house, and they have to live in the new house. And that's it. But they don't have to pay anything. Uh, he just, that, that's it. That's the deal. And there's something awry the whole time. Um, the first it's and it's split into three parts, so it probably really should have been a mini series. It, it looks it's kind of listed as a movie. The first part of it, I did not like, and I made a Rotten Tomatoes account just to go and shit on this movie. And <laughs> then, and then the second part started, and I went back and I was like, okay, hold up. And I, I deleted my negative comment, and I changed my review from a 2 to a 3. Uh, I think if it wasn't for the super cool art style... So so now, I mean, it's the whole thing is kind of like Wallace and Gromity art style. It's a stop motion. It looks really but it, good. It has some of the best stop motion art I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I grew up watching the Wallace and Gromit stuff and the Chicken Run and all that shit. Uh, this animation is out of control. And even though some of the dialogue sounds like Nick Jr. bullshit, like it's about to introduce fucking Blue's Clues or Little Bear, uh, and some of the performances are flat, the voice acting can be really flat at times. Um, and even the story, I was like, fuck, this is kind of stupid. But the animation is so cool, it just kept me in it. And then the second part started, and the second part was better than the first part. Uh, I haven't finished the house yet. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that it's certified fresh out the box, but if you are looking for a really cool stop motion thing to watch, this is some of the coolest modern stop motion animation I've ever seen. Um, the flames are really cool. And in particular, I, I stopped and rewinded when the second part started because they did like a San Francisco street pan. And I thought that the vehicles were real. I thought they had mixed stop motion animation and real life animation. Uh, they did not. There were reflections coming off of the mirrors from like the lighting from above. So cool. there were reflections on the sides of the cars that was all hand animated from stop motion, uh, you know, physical stuff. So really, really great work. 
beautiful art. I think it would be in the trash if someone brought this script as a live action uh, option to somebody. I love stop motion enough to Me check too. it out just to see. Yeah, you guys should watch the visuals it of it, mm-hmm. regardless of its how good the plot and writing of it is. Yeah, this the it's some of it's. I, I don't I don't know what stop motion I've seen that's better off the top of my head. Uh, it's the style is really fun too. The characters have like weird, creepy little faces. They do. I saw the movie poster. I <laughs> uh, pulled it up. It they they look creepy. Uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna watch that one. Yeah. Real close to their tiny little nose and a tiny little mouth. Uh, the last thing I'm watching on Netflix right now is Cobra Kai. I'm on like episode eight. I don't know how many there are, probably 10 or 12. I'm probably right near the end now. Um, I I still, I think I told you guys last time, it's like Degrassi, except with Kung Fu, or not Kung Fu, with Karate. Uh, Right when I think this show is going to do something new and cool, I'm like, oh, they're going to bring in MMA, or oh, they're going to bring in boxing. It's just more fucking karate, which is fine, because it's a karate show, and that's what I signed up for. But I keep expecting something new or fresh, and it's still just Cobra Kai, which I love. I like Cobra Kai. I'm on board. I'm going to keep watching this season. I think season two, which was when it got canceled on, on YouTube, uh, it came to like an abrupt end in season two. And they had to do a whole lot of digging in season three to get themselves out of terrible writing. But now that they have done that digging and gotten themselves away from everything from season two... Season four is actually entertaining. It's fun to watch. They've added new characters, the building on the cast. Um, And it's setting up for more in the future. There'll probably be another season, two seasons at least to Cobra Kai. Uh, I I would be surprised if it didn't get two more. Um, And depending on what they do with the actors and who they can retain, they might be able to build this into a long-lasting Netflix IP. Uh, I like it. I like Cobra Kai. It is certified fresh out the box, and I think you guys should watch it. My reasoning for not watching it so far is really stupid and very Drew-like, which is just that I'm so rusty on the Karate Kid movies and haven't seen them in so long that like I feel like I want to binge all of them before starting the series, even though I know that it's not necessary. And But just because of my stupid, broken OCD brain, like I, my brain has to see those before I can watch the show. Like it So just... this may be, uh, this might help. You can watch the first movie and then the first season, and then the second movie, and then the second season. You don't have to watch oh. both movies. Um, the, the second season talks more about what happened in that second movie. Because the first one, you know, it was on YouTube. So I'm sure they didn't know if they were going to get renewed for another season at the time. So right. they hit all the good stuff from uh, from that old fan theory, right? That Johnny Lawrence was actually the good guy. That's what the whole show's based on is that old fan theory. And so they, they hit some really good stuff there. Uh, love the show. Can't recommend it enough. Certified fresh out the box. It, it, it might be... Uh, it, it's probably one of the better sh- live action shows to watch as a fan. There's no cursing, there's no nudity, there's not a lot of blood. Uh, you, you could watch this in a household and everybody, uh, you know, I don't think a little tiny kid is going to enjoy it, but for the most part, you could show it to 10, 8-year-olds, you could show it to your teenage kids, and it's not uh, not a bad show. Hi-ya! That's, that's all I got on my list, John, but I... I do want to talk about Deep Rock Galactic later. I know that's on your list. Yeah, it's on my list to talk about, uh... uh 
Before some we... notes I'd like to share whenever you finally get. Oh, there. absolutely! I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I have a, I only have two things I want to start. We're doing stuff we watched, so I'm going to start with that. Uh, I talked about most of what I've been watching on last episode, uh, but I just started. I haven't finished even the first episode, but I just saw this just came out. Uh, Archive eighty one. Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, I didn't finish the first episode all the way. I didn't have time. Uh, but from what I saw, it seems very interesting. There's something going on. Uh, the main character is set to restore, uh, these videotapes from this fire that happened. Um, and he has to do it on site because they're delicate. And so he has to go down the cat skills, uh, by himself kind of thing. Uh, it's just very interesting premise. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I feel like spooky stuff's going to happen. Uh, I really don't know. So, I don't know. I'm going to be watching. This is one of the shows I'm going to be watching. Uh, so, this is almost a preview for what to expect me to talk about next time. I've never heard of it, but I did just Google it. And, um, and you guys what are, are talking top... about Archive 81. Archive what's what's 81. streaming? What Netflix. Is that on Archive 81 Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. The first hit that came up uh, after Googling it is from the Daily Beast. And their headline is, Netflix's Archive 81 is the first binge-worthy horror series of 2022. So there you go. Yeah, okay. it, it sounds like this is... Yeah, that's why I put it on here, uh, even though I haven't watched it yet. Uh, is it, it looks... like a Area 51 type of situation? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't seen enough of it. It looks really creepy, though. Uh, it looks like it has that psychological... Uh, thriller stuff going on with it. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to watch it. I will be watching this, and I'll t- I'll get back to you uh, next episode. Uh, and then the other thing that I watched, I feel like Gary, did you finish? Did you watch Ghostbusters yet? No, it's actually I was going to watch it, but it's not out for streaming yet. It's just out for renting. Yeah, I saw and that. So, I was like, man, that's a bummer. Uh, yeah, so I will. I'll watch it soon. It'll probably just be a couple weeks, and then I'll I'll catch Ghostbusters. Yeah, I finally watched it. Afterlife. Yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I finally saw it. I was really excited. So, it's interesting, right? It was almost like it could have been amazing. It really could have been. They started out so strong. And honestly, I never really thought about how uh, Lovecraftian a lot of the uh, Ghostbusters stuff is. uh, With the because in the first movie, you know, there's this crazy guy that built this skyscraper in a very strange way out of strange combinations of metal in order to open a portal to another dimension, right? I never really thought about how Lovecraftian that is. Uh, but this one, they really, they dig at some of that lore uh, of, like, the afterworld and that kind of thing. Um, and, like, they do it so well. They build, the lore is solid. You know what I mean? The lore is solid. The execution is shit. The fan service is garbage. And it drags <laughs> everything that they could have had through the dirt. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say, man. Like, Because, like, in the first, like third right i'm like this is pretty good i think this could be really dope you know and then in the middle i'm like "Uh uh-oh and then in like the last act man i'm like this is a piece of garbage this is a a piece of shit i don't know I, i don't know if their writers all quit or what happened but like it went from being really good in the beginning to just trash absolute trash at the end i don't know if the producers like just everybody just phoned it in at the end i i don't know what happened that's that's pretty much how i felt too and and gary's brother thomas who's a ghostbuster super fan we both felt that way is like you know 
yeah, I, I felt like midway through, I'm like, this is a solid four out of five. Like, this is good, mm-hmm. if not better. And then the end is like a two out of five. And so you have to, like, it's one of those things where the the ending can leave a sour enough taste in your mouth to be like... So bad. That you're like, this whole movie was bad. But I had to take myself back and be like, ah, there was stuff that I liked. I just really didn't like that third act. There was stuff that I liked uh, a lot. Like like you said, about halfway through, I was like, this, this is really good. About a four once, out of five. Once the Walmart scene... Yes, exactly. ...takes place is In- where the movie starts to plummet. Exactly. Once they're like, hey, remember the first movie? You're gonna. <laughs> you yeah. sure gonna. It was... It went from... Yeah, exactly at that moment. Yep. It went straight... Like, it was like... In fact, I recall, because uh, I, I did watch this with my mom, uh, she, during that, like, Walmart scene, was like, this is stupid, like, out loud, <laughs> which she doesn't normally do, you know? She's like, this is dumb, and then she started, like, going to go do something. Uh, and I, exactly, exactly at that point. Before that, it was solid. It was four out of five. Easy. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad I finally got to say that, because, oh my god, that's been eating me up. Uh, and before we get to our uh, talk where me and Gary are going to, you know, jerk off to Deep Rock. Uh, I've Don't, been... Not on air. <laughs> not, not on air. We'll mute Don't worry, we'll, we'll turn our cameras off. There you go. Uh, Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition. I finally started digging into this. I, I'm in the first game. Uh, I'm a Spectre. I'm on a planet covered in ice. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, I'll, I'm going to, you know, talk more about it when I get further in it but so far so good i really i haven't played uh very much mass effect at all what class did you pick i'm a vanguard vanguard is tech and no it's uh uh, it's biotic and combat okay yeah so i I, i'm a big fan of the adept Uh, i I just full biotics yeah adept. i think i played adept as well Adapted. Might have played Vanguard. I can't remember. And I'm having a lot of fun mixing and matching my party. I really don't know where it's going to wind up. Because, like, I want the Krogan really bad because he's awesome. But the Turian's super cool. And then uh, the woman, the tech woman in the, like, full body suit, she's awesome as well. That's uh, Talia, right? Talia, yeah. She's super cool. I just got her. Uh, I, right now I have uh, Garrus and Talia in, as my party. But I might swap it's, out. Talia. I think it's Talia. just Talia. Talia. Yeah, it's Talia. I might swap With out. Talia? Tally and Garrus, I think, are the only two that are consistent party members throughout all three games. Oh, party members, yes. I was starting to shake my head like, no, there's characters, but party members, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, they. I, I have them both. Uh, I'm just thinking about swapping one of them out for Rex. Um, having a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, so I'll get back to you. Uh, free on Game Pass, on Xbox Game Pass right now. Uh, and then, yeah, our final topic and discussion. Speaking of free on Game Pass, uh, and now, according to Gary, uh, free on PlayStation Network, I believe, right? It, it, is, a, it is a million new players. Plus game of the month. Yeah. There are six million new players to Deep Rock Galactic this month because of PlayStation. Deep yep. Rock Galactic. All right, so it's it's been out, right? It's been out for a while. We probably talked about it before. The reason... We are bringing it up. One, yeah, PlayStation Network, 6 million new uh, users. It's competing with Halo at this point, Gary was saying, in numbers. Those are the numbers I wanted to talk about, man. Yeah. I actually Crazy have numbers. them written down. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 
Go ahead, and then we'll talk about why we think that is. Yeah. So in in November is when Deep Rock Galactic released season one. This is when they started their seasonal stuff. First and time. And so yeah. this this article is from November. Uh, it says the Alien Dwarf shooter this month hit a concurrent player record of over forty thousand players, thanks largely to the launch of season one. So you're looking at forty thousand monthly players in November. That was before it hit PlayStation with six million extra people who can now play it who couldn't play it before. Yeah. Um, I, I want to compare this to other games that are out that are free that are on Game Pass, and so my biggest one is Halo, right? That's probably the biggest multiplayer title out right now. Yeah, and this to me is a big evidence of Microsoft's misstep and mismanagement. Uh, over the last thirty days, the average numbers of players in the game has dropped from a hundred thousand to forty-seven thousand as of December of twenty twenty-one. So they have their, they're almost 50,000 Halo players. Yeah. In November, there were over 40,000 Deep Rock players. Now, nine million, six million more people have it. Yeah. Um, the, the studio that made Deep Rock Galactic, uh, Ghost Ship Studios? Ghost Ship Studios, they're owned by Coffee Stain Publishing, and they, Coffee Stain got bought by THQ. All of Coffee Stain, what they've done is Deep Rock Galactic, Goat Simulator, Valheim. Those are all of their biggest titles. THQ bought that whole company for $400 million. That's nice. All of their properties. Halo was developed, took $500 million for the AAA title. (laughs) Yeah. So Deep Rock is outperforming it. The studios are outperforming it. The publishers are outperforming it. And Microsoft is just sinking money into an old IP that they think is going to make it. Uh, meanwhile, this indie game that came out of nowhere is just blasting its records away and going cross console as quickly as they can with new updates every month. Yeah, it is uh, pretty crazy. Uh, they do. Yeah, they don't have the handicap that uh, Halo has in being uh, an exclusive to Microsoft, um, but they are competing with fucking Halo, uh, which is impressive. The uh, one thing I couldn't find, Johan, were the the development cost of Deep Rock versus the development cost of Halo. Mm. Uh, Halos is around five hundred million. Yeah, uh, I I don't know what Deep Rock's is, but I can promise you it's not around five hundred oh, no, million. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> it um, was probably developed for less than uh, two hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, guess. we talked about the numbers. We talked about the end result. Let's talk about why uh, this game is constantly updated. Right, they constantly uh, they have uh, randomly generated maps uh, in cave systems that are done very well, uh, and they've recently added new map shapes. So like you're getting more variety to those randomly generated dungeons uh, than you were before. They they did that just on the DL. And All they of also these added updates new biomes, and they, so not only yeah. does it change, not only do you have new shapes to your map, you have new colors, new flora, new fauna. Yeah, they've added. Yeah, they've added all of that. They've also added uh, several, uh, maybe like four, three or four new mission types completely, uh, and then they've added like different events that happen during missions, and in such a way that every mission you never know what's going to happen. It could be pretty run in the mill. It could be the living edge of excitement. You don't know. It could be a milk run. It usually isn't, uh, you never know when a dreadnought's going to show up or you're going to have to do an AI hacking uh, that can be pretty difficult on top of whatever else is going on. Uh, This game does everything right. It is one of the greatest co-op games, period. Uh, Just period. It's fantastic. 
I uh, can't say enough nice things. And they have a board game coming out, uh, which I am thrilled about, and I hope we get to play it live on stream. Uh, Deep Rock Galactic, yeah. And it's only $30, like, at the highest price, uh, but it's also free on PlayStation Network and Game Pass currently. Yeah, I've been playing Deep Rock consistently for two years now. My game time played is over 15 days of Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, (laughs) I I, I love it. And they're not looking to develop a new Deep Rock 2 anytime soon. They're not looking to add a new character type. They're just going to keep building on what they have. Oh, yeah. They just released uh, a brand new primary weapon for each of the classes. Uh, they like also just, added so in uh, this massive boss fight where you oh. fight like a giant pyramid of doom of hell. So it just keeps on giving. I mean, it, I've never played a game like Deep Rock Galactic where they yeah. they really keep giving back to their community at such a consistent rate, and you don't have to pay for any of it. Yeah, and, Gary's played for like 15 days. I've played for like seven, uh, like just straight play hours, and we are still constantly surprised. We're like, what is that? Like, uh it's always it's like a living world. I don't know. Deep Rock Galactic. Yeah, I actually just got my wife playing with me. Um, I now that I have the Series X, I passed her my Xbox One and I left a few games on there, and so I was able to get her to play Chivalry with me a little bit. And she's actually really taken to Deep Rock Galactic. She actually really enjoys it. Um, it and I just can't. I mean, it's I. It was one of my top five games. It, it will always be one of my top five co-op games of all time. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine what else ghost ship games will put out in the future but i am 100 i have so much faith in the studio right now the way they treated their fans Mm. yeah they treat their fans very well uh they're always giving you free stuff always giving you new ways to enjoy yourself and always giving you new unlocks uh which was something that i feel like we might have complained too hard on on halo a little bit feel a little bad but they don't give you as much unlock stuff um as you get in deep rock at all like all the unlocks, the game's always evolving. Fantastic. Uh, that's all for my hot takes. I certify Deep Rock Galactic Fresh all day, forever. If you haven't played it, try it for sure. It's double. That's, that's double certified. Double fresh. certified. But it's I not just, a great uh, single player game. I do just want to sure. jump in. Not not to defend Halo by any means, but I do want to say I think it's funny that they're, the most recent news story involving Halo is about how... Uh, at the time of this recording, next week, they're going to be decreasing their microtransaction prices for cosmetics because I guess people have been complaining about it oh, yeah. and selling, so they're reducing prices there. I thought that was funny. But I uh, had literally, while we were recording the show, because, you know, I have a good attention span and everything, looked at Twitter <laughs> and saw that John Carpenter, uh, the master of horror himself, just tweeted two hours ago... <laughs> So while we've been recording and said, Halo Infinite is a fun shooter, immense, beautiful production design, best of the Halo series. So John Carpenter, the master of horror himself, uh, he sounds like he uh, gives Halo Infinite. He says it's it's certified fresh out the box. So there you go. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always said, uh, fuck John Carpenter. He doesn't know oh, what he's no! talking about. I like John what? Carpenter. Oh. I've always said that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I didn't say he couldn't make a horror movie. It's just, fuck John Carpenter. He doesn't know what he's <laughs> John, talking about. John, don't listen to this guy. And if you want to come on our podcast and defend Halo Infinite, please, we invite you. Yeah, please, please come on, John Carpenter. I would love to. I'll play Halo with you. 
John Carpenter, if you come on, uh, I'm just going to put my hands over my ears because I don't give a fuck what you have to say. <laughs> it's so mean. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I need... I, I haven't played the campaign yet on Halo. I really want to play the campaign co-op, though. Is that a thing yet? Day? No? Okay. <laughs> well, that's very upsetting. So, you know, uh, Halo... I feel like Halo could have been great, and it shot itself in the foot, and I have complaints, is the... The long and short of that. Uh, Let's say a five hundred million dollar crash. Disappointment. Into a wall. Yeah, it is. Uh, and like you said, yeah, I was complaining about the cosmetic. See, to me, expensive uh, add-ons and stuff like that just show uh, a lack of caring and a, uh, a great amount of disrespect for your fan base. In my opinion, you're just trying to rip the money out of their pockets. That's my opinion on the matter. Uh, you know, freemium can work, but like, and- damn. And we couldn't have had this conversation at a better time after all the stuff that Deep Rock Galactic does right. Yeah. And and the price at which they can do it versus what the fuck Microsoft is doing. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, they should feel bad about Halo. <laughs> I feel a little more, uh, I feel a little less angry towards Halo. I I don't hate it. I'm not mad at it. It's, it is what you, it is. It's a AAA title. You know what we play. should do? We should get John Carpenter to play Deep Rock Galactic, and then, Ooh, maybe, yeah. then maybe he'll stop talking about Halo all yeah, the time. Yeah, can play a good game, Mr. Carpenter. He very openly tweets about his video game experiences. He loves video games, but he only plays like AAA. He, play, he loves uh, NBA 2K, and he loves the Assassin's Creed franchise. So what, there you go. What is he, a college bro? <laughs> uh, no there's nothing wrong with that you like what you like you know i'm not gonna can't there's all kinds of gamers in the world uh but yeah man deep rock galactic love it uh those are my those are my fresh takes on that note i think uh thank you all for listening to episode 29 wow fresh out the podcast um, where can everybody find you guys? Uh, I'm Jahananon. I'm at RockFact on Twitter, at Jahananon1 on TikTok, and you can follow me to watch unboxings and TTRPG content and stay up to date on what's going on in indie games across the spectrum. I'm at CasualtyCDG, and if you want to see me pretend to be other people in worlds that don't actually exist, you can tune in to... Fresh out the box every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8 p.m. until 11 p.m., where Jahan and I play tabletop role-playing games and board games, along with a stunning cast of friends. Uh, Right now, we've just started a couple of brand new games. We're playing Icons uh, with a whole brand new cast. That's our superhero game. On Wednesdays. And we're also... uh, Yeah, that's on Wednesdays. And we're also starting our Wild Sea game. We will have started it by the time you hear this. Um, which is an indie game that's all about perusing the treetops of ironwood trees with saw-prodded ships. Uh, There are sentient races of spider colonies. There are cactus folk and mushroom people. Uh, It's a whole thing. It seems like a whole lot of fun, and we're excited to play these new games with new people every week. Uh, And finally, tell your friends about Fresh Out the Podcast. It's uh, it's over a thousand downloads, man. That's crazy. It's it's a real show. It's a real podcast. We're Here we are. It. Episode thirty is our next one. What the hell, right? What happened? How did this happen? This is a podcast, and you like it now. Uh, and tell your friends that they like it too. Thank you. And you can find me at Drew Munhausen on Twitter, and I will send you all off with one short story. So today. 
when I was seeing the Kingsman in theaters, uh, during the trailers, there was a trailer for Jackass Forever, the new <laughs> Jackass trailer, which I personally think looks quite funny. And after the trailer ran, you know, there's a brief moment of uh, quiet between that trailer and the next trailer. And of the other, like, four people that were in the theater, one lady turns to her husband and says, that looks stupid. <laughs> and to that lady, I say, no, you look stupid. Bam. No. Uh, hit us on Twitter with the hashtag, no, you look stupid. Uh We've been fresh out the podcast. Thank you so much.